coming before God and saying, Lord, is there something that you want to do, even if it's just for a season, there's something different that you want to do. And so we're in a series right now at Hilltop called um, The Cost of Discipleship. And um, one of the things that amongst a lot of things that were shared uh, in these briefings was um, the need to um, not just rely upon Sunday mornings to discuss the Word, you know, to get into the Word, to, to look at the Word of God. It can't be the only outlet that we have as a people um, on Sundays. Um, and so I, I think that's true. You know, when I heard that, I was like, yeah, I mean, we're going to give ourselves to the preaching of the Word. And it's kind of simple, but yet I saw the neglect of it. And it's where I kind of want to go tonight a little bit, just for a bit. I know this is a little unusual, unorthodox. We're coloring outside the lines, you know. Maybe we should go a little longer in worship. Um, but we're going we're gonna to try coloring outside the lines and creating um, Legos that, you know, came in different packages. Um, and so what we, what, we, what we talked about was maybe getting into a little bit prayer of prayer, you know, the topic of prayer. Um, we do a lot of prayer here at J-Hop. But... Even though I've said that in my head and to others, you know, it's it's a pat on the back, really, for me. Um, it's a pride issue. Um, and I was just this week driving in my car thinking about, as me and Izzy are working on sets and looking at the potential of September being in full swing every day of the week, um, having prayer going on four hours a day, and even the potential of more, I, I felt that kind of sense of pride. You know, oh man, we're good. We are good. We are praying. Who else is doing this? You know, that kind of attitude. And I just felt like, I, I'm, I believe it's a statement that somebody has made that I've heard. I believe it's actually Alan Hood, but I, I tried Googling I couldn't, I couldn't find it. Um, but I felt like the Holy Spirit just kind of bring me back to a message that I've heard. And what I heard was that it's not merely enough to, uh, or it's not a correct Response to the worth of Christ. Even though I think, you know, four hours a day, that's pretty good. That's really good. And there's potential for more. That's really good. But Christ is saying it's not merely enough. Um, now, we can take that in two different ways, right? And be like, oh, Jesus, why did you say that? But honestly, the way it hit my heart is that I didn't say, well, what, what is that? I more said, you're right. Because you are worth so much more. Um, and I, I want to say this, what we do here and what others do around the world in prayer, think of IHOP, um, it's the only correct response to the worthiness of Jesus. Um, yes, there's other things, but understand, and this is where I'm going to go, and I'm going to frame just this introduction, introdu- introduction like this, is the Lord's Prayer. Disciples come to Jesus and say, pray, you know, and we see the Lord's prayer, our Father, Lord in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I started thinking about that phrase, and I I started thinking about how that one passage has been taken so far out of context, it usually, I, I believe there's some value to it, not necessarily it's been taken out of context, but I believe that there's there's other 
uh, shadows and other, you know, whatever you, other things that we can draw from it, but merely what I've always taken from that portion of that text is uh, what is going on in heaven right now. I guess where I'm trying to go is what I've seen in the church lately is us take that one passage of scripture and make it some kind of power verse. Now, I don't know about you, but it, and I don't know what your eschatology is, but in my eschatology, the end times look pretty bleak. It, uh, and if it's true that what some are saying that, um, you know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is some kind of Jesus power play, you know, then when you match that up to the book of Revelations or the Apostle Peter or Paul's writings, you're like, whoa, you know, now I'm all for games. I'm all, I believe that Jesus shines a tremendous light usually in the darkest of times. So I believe, like, things can run in tandem. But I don't believe that's what Jesus meant. And so that calls for another way of thought, doesn't it? It, it, it leads us to think differently about the passage. What's going on in heaven right now? What's taking place with elders and angels and, 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 and deacons and, and all this imagery that we pull from the book of Revelation? What's happening? Well, it's much probably far better. Uh, it's much like what we're doing now in this place or like what you see in IHOP and other ministries uh, that are, are really starting to lay hold of the ministry of prayer. You know, 14 years in the ministry, me personally, I've seen the huge neglect. Prayer seems to be like a thing if we have time, to, we'll get to it. But there's other things that are pressing. Um, there's other ministries that are you know, in the forefront, and, and I don't say that to condemn, or I, I, you know, I myself have been there different seasons of my life where I thought other things were far more important than just gathering with a group of people and praying. But when we think of the words of Jesus, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we can't just be looking at that, I think, solely as some kind of Jesus power play, that we're just going to somehow conquer the world and Jesus is just going to, uh, you know, through his people, take over society and culture. I, I love what Jason Upton said. It was really bad timing because we're at a um, conference that Lou uh, was doing. At, it's called a Nazarite gathering. It was in Connecticut. And, you know, if you know, I mean, really, the, Lou's theology is dominion. He's a dominionist. I mean, he, he, no shame in that game. He's like, just take over. I love that. But, but Jason Upton was like, you know, didn't we have that in the first century church? Or maybe it wasn't the first century church. It, it, but he talked about uh, really where, where the church did essentially abused their authority. Where their dominating, so to speak, culture and society was really an abuse. And they sort of, see, with power, with power, it comes the easy tendency to be corrupt. Mm. You know, what Martin Smith told me, he's like, you know, sometimes the blessings of God can, you know, um, it can almost give you such a swollen head that you become this uh, rock star more than you become really a worship leader or a lover of God. And it is true that 
it is true that the blessings of God can sometimes be our Achilles heel. You know, it can sometimes be our worst enemy. And so what am I saying? Essentially what I'm saying, what I want to start off with is just saying this is that if we're to not only look, or not to look at all, I don't look at it at all, but I know that might be a little bit um, counterproductive given some who do. I know that there's a huge movement that believe um, that uh, the glory of God, the kingdom of God is just going to take over pre-Christ's reign. You know? But what I want to shape this argument is Jesus' desire for the earth, his people, his church becoming a reflection of what's taking place in heaven. And if that's true, we have to break out of the kind of power play mentality, you know, church is just going to dominate culture. And look at more so that Jesus is, God is looking for a direct um, reflection, if you would. He's looking for his people to understand his worth so much that it draws them to constant fellowship with him, community with him. So... My introduction and what I would want to leave with us tonight, because uh, what we're planning on doing, and you're going to have to hold on to your seats, because um, you know some of us may not like it. I remember when we moved services from 5 p.m. to 10 a.m. I thought it was a great idea, but I got some kickback. Hallelujah! And you know, and so when you start to change things and do different, you know, the, the people get a little restless, and so. What we're trying to do and what we're going to do by the grace of God is at least for Saturdays, for um, four consecutive Saturdays, we're going to get into the Word of God. Now, some of you go to our small groups and you're like, hey, we already do this, we do this at church. I got you, I got you, I got you, I get you. But you know, small groups is an open form. It really is. It's open to everybody's thoughts. It's open to everybody's interpretation. And unfortunately... Although small groups are so essential, they're so imperative, they also um, fail sometimes as actually landing on concrete biblical truth. Where things in the charismatic world become so open, like, oh, I believe this means this, or that means that. No, we want to land on solid foundations in the Word of God. And that's not easy for us charismatics. Let me just say, I, I can feel it right now. We want to feel the goosebumps. We want to feel those tingly sensations of like, oh, the worship's so good. And when prayer time comes, it's like, where did everybody go? Have you ever noticed in this place? Like, we'll get into worship, we'll be doing it in an hour, and you would think that Jesus himself, I'm, I'm kidding, so please, don't take your lips off. Goodness gracious. You know, just peel off the roof and just, pff, here I am, guys! You know, it's, it's been that strong in this place. I, I've, I have felt like the witness of his presence near. But then when we go into prayer, it's like, Ichabod, Ichabod, the glory has departed. Where is he? You know, it's like, hello! And so it's not easy for us charismatics if you give yourself that title. I certainly don't uh, give myself that title. But if you are, it's very easy not to. Um, oh, listen, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. Come on. I, oh, we are so... Guys, come on. We are, we are so locked up, gummed up in stuff 
that we don't even see in the Word. <laughs> we got this denomination, that denomination, this group of people, first church of this, first, second church of that, the Charismatics, the Presbyterians. I mean, guys, I, I believe that I'm a child of God, a follower of Christ, and that's the title I want to... Now, if being charismatic means I raise my voice sometimes, uh, being charismatic means that I actually pray in tongues, sorry... Uh, if charismatic means I raise my voice while I preach, then I guess I'm charismatic by default. But, um, but anyways, it's hard for us, really, to lock in sometimes. Um, and so I want us to lock in. I want to get more time around the Word. I want to get more time around not just going into prayer, but even understanding what we're doing. Yeah. Most of us, good. if not all of us, are just responding to a nice time of worship. So now, you say, that's not true. Well, then why sometimes in prayer is it so dead? Why sometimes in prayer is there only like a couple people who pray? Come on. But yet, when we worship, we're, it's explosive, it's, it's, it's electric, so to speak. It, 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 for me... There's something wrong. Um, we should get just about jazzed up and excited over this yeah, book. Man. Yeah. As Come we do on. the latest worship band, our worship song yeah. that's out on the market. And so, my idea is to wrap more of this around what we do here. Because if we don't have uh, a correct understanding, I think, and hear me, I don't think I have a correct understanding. I don't believe that my theology is perfect. Hear me. (laughs) I know, you're like, you're a pastor. It should be, no, I don't believe that. Um, But I also don't believe it can become more clear if I neglect it Mm. and never go to it. And I also believe that we will be a community given to one thing, but not all things. So we'll be a community given maybe more so to worship. I love that. I want a worshipful people. I want to hang around. I want to be in the presence of. I want to sing songs in front of a worshiping people. But I also want to be around a people who are students, not not casual observers. Not impulsive. Oh, I had a bad week. Jesus. Help me, Lord. What does your word say? Come on. And so, um, I believe God wants to bring balance in this area to us. You know, I, I, I do. Because another thing that I have found in my own life, as I have become a student of this, my prayer life expands. So true. Yeah. Um, my worship life expands. My everything, my life in Christ expands. This opens new doors, so to speak, without getting too crazy. It's trying to stay cool for some of you guys, because um, I go crazy. But but I, but this opens Jesus to me in a whole new way. And. Um, and, and that's what I believe, and that's where I believe we need to go for a season. Now, again, we're not going to make an idol out of this. We're not going to 
say, well, this is the way every Saturday is going to be. Hey, you might come here on a Saturday, and, and, and that's not what we're doing. But we are going to, at least for four weeks, lock in. It's not going to be a long time, but it's going to be a time. And we're just going to look at the Word. And it's not going to be an open discussion. It's not going to be a small group where everybody can pull from their own basket of head knowledge over text. Um, but it's going to be uh, a word given from a specific person. And um, we promise not to come unprepared, uh, but to be prepared. And in that, we hope that our life as a community goes deeper and stronger into a prayer culture, a culture of prayer that with understanding um, come, will come a great release of God's presence. It's funny, um, I touched a, a little bit upon this last Saturday when we were together, if you were here, but we talked about Habakkuk, the popular verse where the prophet prophesied uh, the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And I love that the prophet uses the word knowledge. And we can go all through Scripture, New Testament and Old, where we see the need, the imperative need for knowledge. Uh, it's not intellectualism. I'm not talking about some kind of, we're not bright people. I mean, some of you think you're bright. Let me just tell you, you're not. Okay? Um, we're not. Uh, just, that was a joke. Okay. Some of you are very But I love that the prophet uses the word knowledge. I love that it wasn't some kind of power verse that we can take out of context where, you know, this glory or, um, you know, the presence of God. No, it's the knowledge of God. There is an imperative need in our generation, I believe. I will include myself in there. There is a great growing need for knowledge. It's not knowledge that maybe some of us are perceiving it is by me saying that. It's knowing with who God is. It's knowing what His Word says He is. And not just our lofty ideas because we pulled some kind of new revelation out of our hats when the worship music was good. There's a lot of bad things that have been created out of just pulling ideas from the clouds. You can, you can look all through the church's history and see that. So as it is in heaven, let it be here on earth. Well, we know that the last days, according to the apostles, thousands of years ago, are going to be bleak. So we cannot just rest that that passage of scripture is some kind of glorious, triumphant victory for the church. No. Jesus is saying, I want my church to be a house of prayer. I I, I don't want them just playing around with prayer. I don't want just midweek services. I don't want just impulses of prayer are just like, you know, oh my goodness, we got another Democrat in the office, you know. That's a joke. I'm not Democrat or Republican. But you know, you know the church, especially the church. We We respond sometimes only to the pressure. We're impulsive. We're impulsive in our behavior. You know, 
We give impulsively. We pray. We go to church if we feel like it. Everything is just so impulsive. And in and, and, and God, I believe, nowhere in Scripture yeah, says that that's all right. And so, as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. Well, I'm just going to rest assured that Jesus is looking for His church to be the house of prayer much in the same spirit that all of heaven is gathered around the beauty of Christ. Jesus wants a reflection of that here on the earth. He wants a people who reflect what is happening in heaven. So, I I pray, and my prayer is is that in these four weeks that we can discover um, many truths Many truths about prayer. Um, The fervency that we're called to. The persistence that we're called to. You know, I I love Jesus' teaching. And and, and if you look at the, uh, I I believe it's any translation of the Bible, the headline of one of his teachings on prayer is called effective prayer. And essentially it's boiled down, very simple, right? Keep on. Keep on knocking. (laughs) Keep on asking, keep on searching. I mean, it's not complicated. I, th- For the most part in the Gospels, Jesus boiled it down to the steady rhythm of prayer. A steady rhythm, not just impulsively going to the Lord when need, when there's crisis, but living... You know, we live sometimes so much on the defense in culture. They just legalized... Same sex marriages. Ah, you know, let's pray. Ah, no. It's it's real, right? But 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 I believe that God has called us to be more on the other side of the fence, not defensively, but offensively, making strides, defending ourselves, but moving towards the goal line. And and, and that can't be had in a people. They're just impulsive. They're just impulsive in their prayer. They're just, every crisis, every need, every, every wave, every adversity. So let's just go to prayer. Now's the time. And it's so counter Scripture. It's so against, that attitude, that posture is so against what Jesus and the apostles laid out for us. Think of it. Uh, Luke 18, the persistent widow, the man who is at his friend's house asking for bread. I don't know about you, but I'd shoot that guy. I wouldn't even give him a chance. Be a traitor. I don't know. Thief. You know, I wouldn't even get time. You know what time is? But you understand, I wouldn't shoot him. But, but, but we're not to play around with prayer. It's not a secondary. It's not like, it's not like some, you know, excuse me for the imagery, or the analogy, but it's not just left up to, you know, a couple ladies in the church in the janitor's closet believing God for breakthrough in the church. Now, that's what I've experienced in prayer. You know, prophet comes to town in the charismatic church, you can pack that place out, we're going to have a conference, we're going to pack that place out, we barely probably get 50 to 60 people on a regular average on Saturdays for prayer. Call a prayer meeting, I'm not trying to beat us up tonight. 
But if it's working, let it work. <laughs> I said, I'm not trying to do that. Doesn't mean the Lord's not trying to do that. But you understand, we're, we're meant as believers not to be defensively, not just to be reactionary, just like to everything that comes our way. We're to be aggressively making strides against the enemy and against his kingdom in prayer. And in that, we get to reflect heaven, the place of which we will spend eternity. It's almost like we're in an incubator. We're getting ready for our permanent destination. Have you ever thought of it like that? I mean, ultimately, we are going to gather around Jesus day in, day out. I'm sure there's going to be other things that are going on, but we're going to join in with angels. We're going to join in the saints and elders, and we're going to sing the praises of Jesus, the praises of God. We might as well work those muscles now. You know, some of us think we're doing a good thing when we come to prayer, and we are, but most you should feel privileged Amen. that you get to present yourself before God. Amen. This is, we're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not playing Monopoly here. We're not playing Uno. You know, this is not bingo night. A midweek service, come play bingo. We, we're, we're interfacing with God. We are dialoguing with God. We are talking. We are interceding with God. Guys, with God. Just, just rest your mind upon that. See, for a lot of us, that didn't touch anything in you. And it should. It should, you, we should, it, we, it should touch something in you. If it doesn't, ooh. When we started the church, I knew that socially, we were going to have to grow a little bit. <laughs> we weren't the best social people in the world. Yeah, you know, we weren't the best social people in the world. But we're getting better at it, praise God, by the grace of God. And I don't even know where I'm going with this, but I just put this little disclosure just about things. We should be triggered. I want to say this. We should be triggered. When I say we get to talk to God, something should just... Yeah. I mean, in me, I'm just like, I, I, I'm talking to God. I, I, I'm praying to the Father. Mm-hmm. That blows my mind and awakens something in my heart. But anyways, when we started the church, I knew that we had to grow socially. I knew that we had to make you know, efforts to build really a strong relationship and community because prayer, just, just come and pray. See you later, brother. I'm going to see you again. Bless you. And so I knew we needed to grow, but I remember in the onset of it, I, I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart. And He said, hey, listen, if you ever get to the point that your social life is more predominant than your prayer life, then you need to get a check. And, and what I'm saying is we need to learn how to be responsive to Jesus. And, and I, I only bring that up as things should trigger us. Uh, the, the thought of us coming here today is no small thing. I'm not trying to, um, you know, it, it doesn't need to be over-dramatized. It is drama at its highest level. Mm-hmm. It's the greatest Good. form of drama. Why? Because God said His precious Son, 
Not only that you could have everlasting life, but that you could have a dialogue with Him on this side of eternity. You understand, it's only by Christ's blood that we have the ability, that we have access to God the Father. It's no small thing. It's at the height of every drama. It's better than any drama story you've ever watched with your eyes or read with your, uh, with your eyes. Also your ears. If you can't see. But you understand, guys. I want to just shake us free. We've got to come out from just living ordinary lives. Where, where, where somebody says, you get to talk to God in this life. Yeah, so? God should feel lucky. You know? That, have you, am I alone? Have I, have I, am I the only one who has ever thought that when I have to get up in the morning and come to I don't have to. I find it a great joy and privilege. Sometimes people don't even come to the set. But, oh well, I'm talking to God. Should do something. But we are so, so deadened. Not in some kind of, yeah, it's concerning, it's alarming, but we so immersed in culture where the idea of the latest Marvel movie strikes more of a chord in us than a weekly prayer gathering. The idea of going out to dinner with your friends strikes more of a chord, some kind of fascination than going to talk to God. You hear me? I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm talking to myself right now. Wholeheartedly. Guys, we we gotta we gotta we gotta come too. We gotta come too. Read this great article just um, just uh, today. Um, and it, uh, I don't want to watch the uh, name. It was so good that I forgot the title. Hold on. I, I think I know the title. It's one of those things when you think you know what it is, but you're not sure. If you've got to go, feel free. Um, Okay. It's very fitting. I'm trying to find my Facebook. (laughs) Yeah. It, It was an article, and the title was Stop Enjoying the Ordinary. Let that sink in just a little bit. Stop enjoying the ordinary. The article's all about trying to get us thinking differently. We are too immersed in culture. We are too immersed in the ordinary where we are enjoying it more than being in the presence of God, having a conversation with Jesus. Stop enjoying the ordinary. That's what I want to leave us with tonight. If you find yourself, and I find myself, guys, I I am not trying to give some kind of picture that I've arrived someplace. I haven't. But, man, when I see titles like that and I read articles like that and I get into the big, larger scheme of what we do here on a daily basis, my heart comes alive. Uh, it's like 
a, a, a stupor comes off of me. This cloud, you know, of like, oh, you know, we got to get this, we got to do that. Mm-hmm. we got to go there. And we got to build that and buy that. All those things are important, but if they supersede, mm-hmm. if they are above, if they are not placed within its right category, it can be very dangerous. And let me tell you why prayer meetings are not necessarily the most popular thing in the church. It's because we enjoy the ordinary far too much. Other things are far too appealing to us. As it is in heaven, so let it be here on earth. That scripture alone should invite you into something far greater or greater than just the ordinary life. You understand that it is our privilege to actually, as the people of God, reflect heaven? See, see, we take it as like, oh God, look at what we're doing for you. And God's saying, no, look at what I've given you to do. Oh, I'm going to go to the prayer room today. Do you think you're doing me some service? Do you think you're doing me some good? No. It's by my blood that your prayers go higher than the ceilings anyways. You might as well take advantage of it. So my opinion is, and by the grace of God, there's prayer going on. I want to go there. Just faced with it today. I wanted to record. I wanted to make music. I knew that there was this rally. <laughs> to Planned Parenthood. I was, it was gnarling. I was like, God, just did a morning set, 10 o'clock, I want to make music. What? <laughs> Leave me alone. And fought with it, wrestled with it, wrestled with it. I said, I'm going. And this is not a beat up, you know, what are you doing compared to what I'm doing. Right. This is more just a light being shined upon our hearts. The privilege is ours, friend. Yes. That we could, I don't I say it even now. I get a little tripped up. Mm. That, that we would be invited in by just that simple passage to be on this side of eternity reflecting what's going on in eternity. That's amazing to me. What a privilege. What a joy. My disclosure is, is when the prayer meetings open, if you have time, give yourself to it. Amen. When anything of prayers come out, give yourself to it. Yes. Some of you guys wonder why you have such hard lives and why you feel like your lives are a constant roller coaster, a series of ups and downs, of defeats and victories. Mm. You settle for the ordinary. And you start positioning your life before God. And don't give me the prayer closet bit. I believe that if young people, any people, give themselves to the prayer closets as much as they attest to, mm-hmm. that their corporate life in prayer would be just as explosive. Mm-hmm. It would be just as explosive. And what I mean by that, it would be just as vibrant. See, prayer is not something that you just, you know, is... Is, it, I heard it said like this. It's not. It's not taught. It's caught. You know. It's. 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 If, if, if it's happening there, it's going to show itself. 
somewhere in the corporate sense. And so, if I could just leave us with this. We need to understand that we are foreigners. This life is but a vapor. You're a stranger here. This is not your home. You are not destined to just have the, the, the six-figure career, the white picket fence and the dog, the two kids, the two cars, massive college debt. <laughs> Listen, I have two cars. I have a dog. I have one kid. I have a house. I'm not bashing that. I'm more just coming against the train of thought. We are foreigners. We are strangers. We need to start living like it. We need to start living like it, guys. We need to start showing that in the earth. Showing that in our relationships. Showing that. You know, if your friend's like, hey, you know what, Saturday night, let's go to a movie. No. Say, hey, let's go to a prayer meeting. Oh, that's religious, right? It's religious, I know. I, I come up the, the school that love looks like something. Love, if you say you love That's Jesus, it. it looks like something. It yeah. just does not happen That's with words. It. That's it. Perfect example. Jesus says to Peter, do you love my sheep? I'm gonna, do you love me? Excuse me. Getting ahead of myself. <laughs> do you love me? Three times. At the end, he doesn't just settle for that. That's great, Peter. Glad you love me, bro. He says, go and feed my sheep. Love looks like something. Jesus' love for God, it translated into something. It just wasn't with language. It just wasn't with words. So let our love look like something, guys. Man, the issue is not whether revival is going to happen or not. The issue is the church going to get it and start being the church. Because when the church starts being the church, this world will know. What I experienced at Planned Parenthood today was the church being the church. It was powerful. And, and, and if that was the stance that the church took daily at the idol and uh, the, the death culture in society in America... Abortion would not be an issue Come in the states. On. It wouldn't be an issue. It's true. It's true. It's true. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta start being the church, guys. And and, and 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 we are only gonna be able to start being the church when we start understanding this world is not it. It is not it. That's why Jesus says, if you're gonna follow me, you gotta pick up your cross. You know. He, he, I love what one theologian said. He said, Jesus laid out his worst. He didn't, he didn't like try to like, you know, small words, you know, if you follow me, you're just going to lose your life. Oh, that's nothing. Don't worry about it. Just sign right there. You know, there was no kind of secret about Jesus' worst. He, he laid it out, friend. He didn't, he didn't mince words. He didn't hide it in, 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 in colorful language or, or small lettering. He, 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 he made it bold, italicized it, underlined it, and said, here, this is what it means to follow me. And you know the thing about the devil is he, he puts his best out there. You know? He puts his best out there, doesn't he? Who said you'll die? Oh, no, you're going to be like God, 
Jesus doesn't mince words, guys. We have to get a renewing of our minds. We have to understand that what we get to do and who we are is a privilege. And God himself went through great lengths to provide it. A place like this, who would have known? Cambridge, Massachusetts. 98% the most unbiblical uh, um, a culture or city in America. We're, we're trailing right behind, I think, Las Vegas. I mean, that's a given. <laughs> but 98%, who would have thought that God would form and put together a community, a house of prayer, that in the center of humanism, in the center of all sorts of crazy things, he would establish a house of prayer where in Cambridge, 98% unchristian, there would be a house that would reflect in even a small way heaven on earth as it is in heaven my house shall be called a house of prayer so I want to to say that the privilege is yours let's pray is this alright so this is just an introduction and we're going to go deeper um, into the word and I mean by that we're going to plunge in we're going to come to some strong truths Father we thank you um, God for this time Lord we are honored 